With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm Blog Talk Radio The show was off last week due to some uh, unforeseen technical issues, but we are back. We are going to be talking uh, March Madness and uh, going over brackets. Uh, Also going to touch on uh, Indiana's victory over the Kentucky Wildcats in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And one of my, I guess, least favorite times of the year, who's staying, who's going, when it comes to the Kentucky Wildcats. We know we've got freshmen coming in next year, but who is going to stick around uh, this year? Just to let you know, you can uh, reach out to the show on Twitter. It's at CatsTalkWED on Twitter. You can reach me at TBrown underscore eight zero on the Twitter machine, or you can call in at 845-277-9373. We're also on Facebook under Cat Talk Wednesday. And don't forget, this episode and all of our episodes are located on iTunes as well. So lots of ways folks can reach out and get in touch with us. So please, please do that. Being a Kentucky Wildcats-based show, I'm going to lead off with, oh, before I forget, we will have guests on a little bit later on in the show at about 6.30, 
Uh, the Senator Jay Osborne will join me. He's a friend of mine from way, way back. We're going to talk brackets and more. And Twitter famous Wildcat fan, the fake Jamel Martinez, will join us in the second hour uh, as we cover, again, more about the brackets, who's staying, who's going, and uh, all that stuff with uh, the Kentucky Wildcats. So leading off the show, talking about the loss to Indiana in the second round of the tournament, uh, that is a game that should not have been in the second round of the tournament. With When you've got the Big Ten regular season champ and the SEC regular season and tournament uh, champion meeting in the second round, the seeding was wrong. Uh, that being said, I tip my hat to the Hoosiers. Uh, for 40 minutes, they outplayed the Cats. There was a moment when the game was tied at 50 in the second half. I thought the Cats would be able to get over that hump and pull it away, but the Hoosiers were the ones to uh, to do that. So tip my hat to them. Uh, I was talking to some some friends of mine, and – I admittedly was nervous about this game, not so much because I think that Tom Crean is that uh, that good of a coach or that Indiana's team was better, but uh, Kentucky, we were due for a loss in a rivalry game. We, we've been kind of running, especially the NCAA tournament, eliminating IU in 2012 in the Sweet 16 and then eliminating uh, UofL in the 2012 Final Four and the 2014 uh, Sweet 16, uh, we were kind of due for one. Um, And I know a lot of folks are disappointed. I'm always disappointed when the Cats lose and it's not a championship season, but I don't think making everything championship or bust is the way to go. Or even saying, you know, this team didn't reach the Final Four. not every team is going to be a Final Four team. In fact, Vinny wrote a great piece about that on CameronMillsRadio.com. Uh, not every year is going to be a championship year. You know, we have been spoiled, except for the year where uh, Nerland's Noel got hurt toward the end of the year. You know, four Final Fours in, in five years. Final Fours are hard to get to. Uh, when you think of the drought between 1998 and 2011, as far as Final Fours go, they are extremely difficult to get to. And my point of view, and and Vinny said as well, is when you make Final Four or, or bust or championship or bust, that's very, very difficult. This team played as well as they could. They just met a, a better opponent. And I don't think this is a season where you can just you toss it in the scrap heap and you move on. We were actually witnesses to some great performances. Uh, arguably, the best backcourt in the country, Jamal Murray, Tyler Ulis. We know the awards they won, SEC Player of the Year, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. SEC first team for Jamal Murray. Uh, 
but they played so well. Uh, Obviously, the Achilles heel of this team was the front court, and we saw that on display against Indiana. There was the, the front court didn't perform like the front court needed to perform. And it was always my fear that if they pulled a game like that in the tournament, we were going to go home and, and yay, it came uh, to pass. We just, this season, never got a consistent effort from a big man. For all the talk of Cal and, and being the point guard whisperer and that kind of thing, we've had a remarkably good run of big men in Lexington since Cal's been here. When you look at, of course, DeMarcus Cousins on the 2009-2010 team and uh, the way Cal utilized Patrick Patterson on that team. You look at 2011, who I think is one of the biggest surprises of everything Cal has done, and you look how well Josh Harrelson played down the stretch on that march to uh, the 2011 Final Four. Outstanding. Uh, And, of course, 2012, uh, Anthony Davis. Uh, Also not to be overlooked is what Terrence Jones was able to do on the 2011 and 2012 teams. I know a lot of people aren't big Terrence Jones fans, uh, for whatever reason, uh, but I don't think you can say that he was not a good player. When you look at the 16 rebounds he had in the Final Four loss uh, to UConn in 2011, uh, for whatever he was at the beginning of his freshman year, by the time he left here as, as a sophomore, he was a totally different person, and you can see that uh, as he continues his NBA career. Of course, 2013, uh, Nerlens Noel going down with the injury at Florida. Uh, a lot of people will say, you know, that team wasn't championship caliber anyway. But I always argue that with a healthy Nerlens Noel, that team at least gets into the tournament and probably wins a game. I know that he was not the offensive threat that some of our other bigs have been, but he was on pace before his injury of setting the single-season block record that Anthony Davis had just set, and the single-season steal record. In my mind, you can't take that caliber of a player out of the equation and not think the team is going to be worse with him leaving. Moving on to 2014, obviously, uh, when you look at what Julius Randle was able to do uh, once the tweak went into effect, as a matter of fact, today, uh, March 23rd, is the two-year anniversary of Kentucky beating Wichita State in the second round, 78 to 76, which for my money, one of the best play games from start to finish that I've ever seen and I think that the Cats have ever played. That was a, a nail-biter from the, from the tip. Uh, just an absolute great game, undefeated, uh, Wichita State, the Cats that had underachieved. We saw a glimpse of it in the loss of the SEC final to Florida. Ho-hum first round against Kansas State. But this was the game where the light went off, and I've been on uh, my time hop looking at my tweets from that game. And this this was really when I personally bought into what this team could do. Obviously, 
Aaron Harrison goes on a run with three of the biggest baskets uh, in tournament history, back to back to back, starting with Louisville, Michigan, obviously Wisconsin, and then falling short to uh, Wisconsin in the title game. But 2014, one of the best tournament runs uh, I think we've seen, particularly as a Kentucky fan, in a long time. And it all starts with the big men. And, of course, last year's team, 38-1, Willie Cauley-Stein fully uh, coming into his own, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, But this year we didn't have a back-to-the-basket big man that you could throw the ball to with consistency and really get points. Uh, Alex Poitras, who is – I don't know if misunderstood is, is the word, but I, I think frustrating to some degree with a lot of fans, and, and even myself, I'm a big AP fan, but you get kind of frustrated because you see glimpses of where he can really be dominant and hard to handle underneath. Uh, we saw his freshman year, uh, the game against Duke, I think 22-8, and eight, and, and you're thinking, oh, this guy's going to be a beast, and then just uneven play. And for as nice a kid as he is, that's just who he was as a ball player, and that's okay. Uh, Marcus Lee, obviously I don't think his skill set is, is, is obviously a back-to-the-basket or even a face-up offensive player. Uh, he gets a lot of his buckets on being active and, and outworking uh, the other, big, other team's bigs. And a lot of people – I think, want to label uh, Scal Abissiere as a, as a bust, as disappointing or, or what have you. Uh, but I think it became clear early on that he was not a back-to-the-basket player. You know, when he played his best down the stretch, uh, running the pick-and-roll with Tyler Ulis, you know, he was a pick-and-pop kind of guy. He was a 12-, 14-foot jumper. That, that kind of sweep and hook and laying, that was his game. And I don't I think it took Cal a while to, to realize exactly how to utilize him. But, again, not having that back-to-the-basket type player really made it difficult uh, for this team once the game became kind of half court. And that's what we saw against uh, Indiana. Indiana defended really, really well, and they had some height which I think really bothered what Euless could do and uh, with Murray and, and not being able to go into the post at all. I think that was the, that was the kind of a death knell for this team. Very reminiscent of what happened to Kansas where Euless and Murray were shouldering the burdens, but the bigs couldn't, couldn't get the team over the hump. Uh, but I'm not disappointed in this team. Uh, for as bad as the team looked uh, and losses to UCLA, losses to Ohio State, losses to uh, Auburn, and, uh, you know, the Tennessee giving up, you know, the 21-point lead. For all those issues, still, SEC regular co-champions uh, co- uh, this year and, and tournament champions, which I understand – uh, as Kentucky fans, we've got 50-11 <laughs> SEC championships, 
But it's still special that this team, despite kind of its flawed construction, was still able to go out and, and win win a championship. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't think it was right how they were seated, but eventually you have to go out and you have to play whoever's in front of you. So I tip my hat to the Hoosiers. Uh, the Cats will be back. Uh Next year, whoever stays, whoever goes, uh, Cal still knows what he's doing. Uh, so another, I would say, good season. Not obviously not a great season, um, but I think the Cats they they did everything that this team could do. And watching Tyler Ulis and watching Jamal Murray, uh, particularly those two guys, uh, play as well as they played. Absolutely was a treat to watch. And, and Tyler Ulis, even if he doesn't play another game in the blue and white, definitely got to be one of the all-time greats, um, one of the all-time great uh, Kentucky Wildcat point guards. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Going to take a quick break. We've got our first guest on the line. When we come back, we're going to be talking to my good friend, the Senator, Jay Osborne. You listen to Cats Talk Wednesday. This is Terry Brown, and we'll be right back. I got our first guest on the line, and, and the first thing he texts me is, you listen to, to good music. 
Uh, yeah, our, our, our music is, is courtesy of Malice and Mario Sweet. You can find them on Twitterland, recording artists from Seattle. Nice, smooth R&B, and they've been nice enough to let us use their music uh, for the show. Without further ado, my good friend in his podcast debut, as I understand it, uh, the Senator Jay Osborne has joined us here on Cats Talk Wednesday. Jay, are you there? Brother Brown, what's going on? Oh, I'm just holding it down. You know, when uh, when Vinny said he was going on uh, vacation, I said, this is my opportunity to be like Eminem and, and bring in D12, bring, uh, be like Nelly, bring on the lunatics. Uh, you know, I'm just going to open it up for all my friends to come on and kind of run roughshod over everything. So I certainly appreciate you coming on, uh, just kicking off the show, talking about the Kentucky-Indiana game and kind of how this season went. Uh, so what are your thoughts on kind of how the season went for this Kentucky team and, and your thoughts on the Indiana game? I'll tell you what, it, it's one of those seasons where you're coming off last year, so everybody's already got expectations that are probably a little bit nutty, especially down here in Lexington. And, uh, you know, I, it was a good team, not a great team, but a good team, a great nucleus. I mean, you tell me in five to ten years and, you know, we look back on this, people are still going to remember Jamal Murray, the bow and arrow and that stuff. And people are certainly going to remember Tyler Uglis. I mean, I still think he'll go down as one of Cal's best coaching jobs and best point guards before it's all said and done. He was just amazing. So, I mean, season as a whole, you know, everybody here was super excited. It was a, it was a great team, and it was one of those seasons that ended too quickly. Uh, if you look at that Indiana game, but – you know, it's funny, you're here in Washington, and you, you, you spent enough down here, you know better. It's, people had different reactions as season ending, and down here this week, it's like nobody is talking anything about basketball. I just, the only thing people have said uh, at all down here, you know, oh, Lombard won the state championship, and then we move on to horse racing, or oh, look, the sun's out. So it's been one of those things that I Indiana was, just so hard to kind of swallow, because I think everybody got their hopes up, and everybody kind of thought, this was going to be a team we could take down and that doesn't happen. And, you know, we go cold and it kind of was a, an interesting game from a lot of standpoints and then no one's talking about it. So it's been, it's, well, it's the week after, you know, week after basketball season. So uh, uh, down here, everybody's in mourning and now we're just waiting for horse racing or something. Exactly. You know, and, and I had this gnawing feeling during the game when, Indiana kind of went cold in the first half, and we couldn't get any separation. That was kind of my red flag, like, oh, okay, uh, this may not go as we thought. I thought that the six first-half offensive fouls, I think that really neutered what we were doing on offense. Because Poitras got no, that I'm one on, on offensive foul on a spin move, and he didn't look to be aggressive for the rest of the time. And I think that really dictated a, a lot too. Uh, but I agree with you. Ulyss, he's going to go down as, and I have said this, and I try not to be a prisoner of the moment, but when you look at what he did offensively and defensively and as a leader on the court, I, I don't know if there's a point guard better in Kentucky's history. I know we've had a lot of good ones. Even people I mm-hmm. think are underrated, like Wayne Turner, 
and Anthony Epps, I think, are criminally underrated point guards. But for what Eulis did, especially for this team, I think is, is miraculous. No, I'm with you. I, there, there were, we've had great floor generals and great point guards, and I, I'm with you because, you know, Anthony Epps, if you remember well, together uh, in, in the run, he went on. If you even look at Cal's point guards, you know, Memphis, even going back down to the UMass days, He's had a couple of great floor jumps. Well, I from these guys is he's got the athleticism. He's almost as fast as John Wall. Now, John Wall's an athletic freak, but John Wall had this athleticism, and Tyler has that even though he's smaller. But he also has the brains of a Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight was the smartest one to come through here. But yes. he's got both of those put together. But he's more than a floor general. He was the second coach. I mean, you remember that South Carolina game. You know, they were interviewing, I think, with Kenny Payne at halftime. They go, look, we're just running the defense. Tyler's got the offense. And that's something that I think that makes him different from the other Cal point guards and even other U.K. point guards coming through here. He came in as a sophomore, more or less, and ran that team without a problem and didn't need much help. He and Cal worked together instead of Cal coaching him on what to do next. And and honestly, I think of all the point guards Cal has had, I think he put more trust into Tyler Eulis than any player he's ever had, even going back to uh, his UMass days. I mean, he completely mm-hmm. – when you looked at their interaction, you know, when you actually go to the games and see how they interact, I mean, it was as if they were equals on the court. I don't think okay. a lot of people grasp this that Cal completely trusted what Euless was doing. Uh, so I think that's great. Uh, and, of course, Jamal Murray, whenever you're on a all-time list at Kentucky, be it scoring, rebounds, assists, whatever, when, you, when you're on a list and it's Jody Meeks and it's Cotton Nash and it's Dan Issel, when you join that kind of company, that's a pretty big deal. And that's what Jamal Murray did as far as scoring uh, this year uh, because I think he had to and, and he could. And mm-hmm. let me know if you agree with this. People that say, and it's mostly Louisville fans, that say Cal can't coach. When you look at the mature maturation process of Jamal Murray from Big Blue Madness to the Indiana game, did did he just miraculously do this on his own, or or is that coaching? What do you think? It's 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 both. I mean, and you, I mean, this season's a perfect perfect uh, way to look at it. Take Ewis and Murray coming in through the end. Like you just said, he totally trusted Ewis last year. He was the backup to the Harrisons, and within the second or third game, he like you said, he let Ewis just go. He could run and shot. And that's amazing for a kid that young. And then you're bringing in Jamal Murray, who, let's be real, is not even should be is not even college age. He's a, a senior in high school this year. He classed up to get here. And you got a kid who's taking the you know his country on his back in the Pan Am games and stuff like this. So he's got this huge scope on him just in his home country up up north. Then he comes here where you're talking about pressure. And, I, you know, I think you and I talked about it early in the season. You give him the ball, he was, you know, you knew that thing was going up. It didn't have to be set. It didn't, he was just trying so hard to just be the scorer that he was always at. But I think Cal certainly, I think it's one of his better coaching jobs because he taught him how to find his spots, 
take his spots when he needed to. And I think that, unfortunately, was part of the problem in the Indiana game is he kind of reverted. We got down, and when we get down in these games, you know, the SEC tournament was the best we looked all year by far because we got down to Georgia, we got down to Texas A&M, and then we fought back slowly but in a mature kind of X's and O's type of way. And, unfortunately, against Indiana, Murray got so cold there shooting and then we got down and was getting late. I think he kind of reverted back was taking some shots he shouldn't have taken. But like you said, if you look you look at Big Blue Madness and the non conference schedule, we beat Duke, you know, we go in we and then we play Kansas. That Kansas game was the turning point for I think all it was that was a we could play with the best still win this thing. Nation on one of the probably one of the top three toughest home courts in the nation outside of us and maybe Cameron. But, you know, turning point, I became a different player at that point. And I think that's, I mean, that's why his has gone so much higher. He can, he can shoot from anywhere, but he's also, he's obviously very coachable, which is, I think another thing that Cal doesn't enough like you were calling about coaching is these kids develop in a year and become these, these pros that are, that are decent. I mean, you look at Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is going to LSU, amazing talent, built for the game. It's going to be very, very good. But you can't tell me he got that much better from day one to when, when the SECs and they got blown out. I mean, it's it our guys improved so drastically. I think that's just Cal doesn't get as much credit for that as he should. Yeah, and 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 longtime listeners of the show, and I know you because we talk about it when you know we're watching games and that kind of thing. Cal brings mm-hmm. in great kids, and the ones he doesn't get, like a Ben Simmons, are the ones that get red flagged. But we don't have that on the court. They may take them a while to figure it out, but there's nothing. They don't do anything to tr- detract from it with their behavior. Uh, point in, yep. in, in uh, my point being like with Scal, I, I think some folks classify him as a bust, as a disappointment, and clearly he didn't perform the way we thought. But I think the way he handled himself was was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Scal, well, and I think there was where, somebody where, wrote about him. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just asking you, where are you kind of sitting on on Scal? Um, you know what? I was reading. I don't remember who I was reading. It was somebody made on ESPN or something saying, "You got this kid who a came in under under a huge amount of pressure coming into here. You know, number one recruit and all that kind of stuff from from high school. You got a kid who basically has been playing true organized ball in the U.S. for maybe three or four true years, and you've got this." You can't teach seven foot. You can't teach a shot like his, which is almost a European game, that big rainbow shot he's got that's really pretty. Yeah. And Cal even said mid-year, I messed up. I was not putting him in the right situation. This dude is not a post-up player, nor would he play that in the league. He's going to be a four. And I, he, But I think whatever this guy was writing about said, hey, this kid has potential. He's obviously very coachable and he listens. And he's he's well spoken and he's a good kid. That's what's going to play him into lottery money, even with a subpar year. Now he's going to be in the D League for a few years because they have to make him exactly what he needs. But he's more of a multiple 
piece of clay than Ben Simmons is going to be. Yeah, definitely. And, and the one thing I do like about Cal is even if he – my thing is, you know, Cal's going to talk. Cal is going to cap. I mean, we, we're all used mm-hmm. to it. But how many coaches would say, you know what, I've been using this kid wrong? How many coaches would yeah. would admit that? And Cal, right. his entire time here in Lexington, and even before, but under this spotlight, he, he says, I'm doing this wrong. And yep. when he talks about his tweaks and, and whatnot, a lot of people roll their eyes, and I understand that. But he's not married to his system. He came in. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lexington mm-hmm. talking about the dribble drive. That was his bread and butter. He hasn't run the dribble drive in its pure form since he's been here. He looks mm-hmm. at his pieces, and he says, what's the best way for us to win? And, and he does it. I think with yeah. any other coach, this team is a, is a non-seed. This team doesn't win the SEC tournament. Cal, he, he's an underrated coach. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw the Feinbaum article talking about, you know, has Cal run in Kentucky been a disappointment? And I'm actually going to write a piece about that. But Final Fours are hard to get to. And if you're going to win a championship, you have to get to the Final Four first. And, and four mm-hmm. Final Fours, even in six years, that's pretty darn good when you think about the turnover that the program has had. The way Cal does it, it's hard. And so you might have a great oh, if you team. Put like the numbers against team, even. Yep. Yeah, the, the numbers spell it out. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm right there yep. with you. You and I have been hanging out for years and years and years. And we remember the dark days when the Final Four wasn't even a possibility. I remember as Kentucky yeah. fans, we were saying, let us get one or two games. Do you remember those days? Because I do. And now, when we were coming out of the Fours, mess and we first got Patino, absolutely. And and now with 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 Cal come, going to Final Four is where it's kind of a disappointment. Uh, this team played well. This team has got lots of, of memories, and you're not going to be great every year. Nobody does that anymore. Uh, no. So I think it's unfair, especially with the tournament the way it's set up, uh, with the you know the the you know single elimination tournament. I mean, do you mean to tell me that in a best of three, we don't beat Wisconsin two out of three times last year? Of course we do. 
Does the 2014, right. do we beat Wisconsin two out of three times? Of course we do. I mean, th- yes. If we replay the 2010 Elite Eight game against West Virginia with the John Wall team, ten times, do we win nine of those times? I think we do. But all it takes is that one time, and I just think it's unfair to to penalize how good those guys are just based on the randomness that is the NCAA tournament. Well, not just even the randomness of the tournament. Think about what everybody was preaching about this year, the parity of the game. I mean, look at the teams that are left that are – I mean, you've got teams that are great outside of the Power Five, into your mid-majors. Some of these teams here, Gonzaga, think of what Mark Few's done out there for years, and everybody's always yeah. surprised when he makes a sweet 16 with that team. You can't say – we. this is a different generation than when even you and I were growing up with, you know, Sutton before we got early, but even Patino, this is a different world of basketball because there are so many good athletes and so many good kids doing this stuff. And there's the way the game with, you know, some of these men who have to have three and four year players, obviously. And then you've got one here that, you know, it's the rules that we've got to play by. But if you, if you brand new kid is virtually every year, you're starting five is basically four. He's going to be telling me that you've made a single elimination tournament and you've made it to the final four of those teams, four out of five years, given the number of teams that are eligible to play in this tournament, it's ridiculous to me. And to go back to the other point you made earlier, we've all got, we've got these great kids who come back and do great things for our city here in Lexington, do great things for the state. You can't just make this thing up. And I think, you know, people, you know, especially uh, you're dealing with Louisville fans, Indiana, but people don't like Cal because he's a brash, he's a brash personality. He's got, you know, he he pushes buttons as well as he does. But you can't tell me he's built. There's only two or three programs out there that are built, the programs built, and it's just it's always fun to watch, and you hate hate it when it's over. But find me a coach that can do that. What he's doing in this town with the rules they are with the one and done, and uh, I'll show you a liar because I don't think there's anybody out there else who could do this. And I, I've, I've been saying, again, listeners of the show will know, I've been saying for years, Cal is the perfect coach for Kentucky. He, he's cocky. He's arrogant. He looks for every slight like we do. You know, uh, a lot of Kentucky fans, there's con- they, have, they have these conspiracy theories against ESPN, against this, that, and the other. Uh, I don't subscri- subscribe to a lot of them, but they're there. And I'm thinking, we, we don't have to do this. We are Kentucky, but it's kind of like Cal. But he is the perfect coach for this fan base. He stokes some of those conspiracy theories, and he talks about being the gold standard. I don't think there's a better mesh of coach and fan base in college athletics, I mean, other than uh, Coach K being a devil and actually Duke being the Blue Devils, other than that, I think Coach Cal is is pretty good. I'm with you. I, and to do what he's been doing, I mean, and to handle our fans in this state where basically there's basketball and there's basketball, to handle this fan base, because we are one of the most – a widespread, but we're one of the fan bases out there. There's no lie because this is this is our life here. This is what we have. This is what like he you know used to not like the SEC tournament, but he understands people take their vacation time and their their spending 
to go see these boys play basketball, nobody else is a better handler of this fan base, but also a marketer of this fan base. He plays to the, the masses better than anybody on the planet. He can play to us as a good guy. He can play the bad guy to the NC2A and those things and, you know, take his jabs. There is no one better built for this program. It, it's kind of like I think what Saban's doing in, in Bama. They're different personalities. But he has taken this program that's historically the greatest tradition in college basketball. I believe that when they say it. I believe it when I say it. But they're doing – he does something here that no other coach could do. Patino couldn't do it. Tubby was a great ball uh, – he was a great X's and O's guy. I love Tubby. I love him to death. But this guy, like, when he retires from here, and I fully believe he'll retire here, I don't know who you go out and find, the personality and the just relentless drive to come in here and pick, pick up after him. I, I, I feel bad for the next guy. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and my thing is whoever is next after Cal, and I don't think any of the names I've kind of heard floated, I, I don't see them working. But that person has got to be strong enough to do it his own way. When you mm-hmm. look at the five coaches that have won national titles in Lexington, they've each done it their own way. And this is where I compare Kentucky basketball and Alabama football. A great coach gets you a dynasty. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing right now with Cal and the Final Fours and what Saban is doing. A good coach can get you a national championship. When you look at Tubby Smith, very good coach, national championship. Joby Hall, national championship. You look at Alabama football and uh, 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 Gene Stallings, you know, winning that national championship back in 1990. I'm dating myself a little bit. But a good coach – because these pro- these programs, these jobs are built for success. There are advantages to being the Kentucky coach that being the even the Louisville coach you don't have. Speaking of Louisville, no, I'm with you. And remember this this is a PG show. But speaking of Louisville, <laughs> uh, I'm here in the city of Louisville, and this ongoing saga has, in in my words, gotten gross. What are your yeah. thoughts on what Patino is finding himself in here in, in the, the city of, of Louisville? What are, what are you thinking about Katina and all this and the postseason ban and Patino is staying? Where, where, are you, where are you coming at? And, again, this is a PG-rated show. Right, right. So I'm with, and thank you for that because you know how, how hard it is for me to stay PG when I get, when I get, when I get moving there. But, I look at this situation as I really wanted to take me being a Kentucky fan, not liking the birds with teeth, take that out of it for a minute and look at this. If I had a son or, you know, if I had kids going to this university and, and me being a former Patino guy, I mean, I, until he came back to Louisville, just like most Kentucky fans, I was fine with Patino. Here's the problem with this thing. The, just the, the pompous, relentless, just, I don't know anything, and everybody, you know, I'm perfectly, you know, innocent of everything. That all has to go away because whether he knew what was going or not, his program did something that not even, you know, UNC and their, their problem was academics. There was, you know, that type of a thing. This is paying 
people to come in, strip, and have sex with, in some cases, underage men to come play basketball for a school in the price thing that they're behind the coach. The athletic director is behind the coach. And let's be real, Tom Jurich doesn't have the greatest track record when it comes to these coaches with Petrino's issues and rehiring him. I'm looking at it as if I had a son who was a great basketball player, would I even let this man in my house knowing what I know? And let's be real. I, I understand there's stuff across college athletics that we don't see, and I'm sure there's stuff out there, but it's a whole different type of a thing. This is a whole different thing that I think is going to change the landscape of even how the NC2A does things because this is – past just, you know, somebody got a, a grade. This is past somebody, you know, flipping a to somebody. This is, like you just used the word, gross. And I'm going to use my, 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 my T. Brownism here. I'm going to say, this is my thing. How has this continued to be let loose? When they said they weren't going to the postseason, I thought that was the most scheduled you're putting these kids who probably had nothing to do with this, taking their dreams away, especially those two fifth-year seniors, taking their dreams of a postseason away, trying to kneel down to the T2A and say, please, please don't leave. And the whole situation is sick, and I don't know how, you know, the, the University of Louisville itself has other issues on, on campus that have nothing to do with athletics. So I don't understand how the president, Tom the team can survive this when we tip up the Blue Madnesses in October. And a lot of folks are so, uh, the folks in red are so keen on what Katina Powell is saying. My thoughts are Louisville didn't uh, cancel their postseason because of what she said. There's other stuff nope. out there. This isn't happening just because she ran her mouth. There is other things that that we don't know yet that are going to come to light that's more than just her. Because I I see him, I hear him. Let's be real. She's not like she's not the cleanest of people to be taking a word from. Obviously, right, right. We haven't even talked about Uh, where the money's coming from and all that stuff. Yeah, and. And the fact that it took place on campus in a dorm specifically built to prevent this kind of thing, that's, that's – and, and as you touched on with Petrino and going back to Petrino's other indiscretions, there's just a lot of unseemliness that's taking place in Cardinal Athletics right now. When you talk yeah. about uh, what's going on at uh, North Carolina – even what Cal ran into at UMass and Memphis, I can sit down to my 10-year-old and say, you know what, they gave these guys fake grades, or supposedly Derrick Rose didn't take a test that he was supposed to take. But I can't have a conversation with my kids about any of this. I mean, this is, it's just gross, and I, and I know, you know sex sells, and all, but it's just a gross, gross story. Yeah, I had to get. Well, there's a difference between sex sells and the the actual word of it meaning. I mean, there's a difference between you know sex sells (laughs) as a marketing tool and actually going through and paying for the ad for kids. (laughs) Well, (laughs) exactly, exactly. 
So it, uh, other than that, is your is your bracket looking pretty good? Did you pick a lot of, of, of the upsets? Uh, Michigan State, I think, is still the biggest shocker I've seen in a long time because Michigan State was the one, uh, was a team that a lot of people had cutting down the nets, and they didn't lead throughout any of that game. No. And I, you know, as usual, I filled somewhere around 3,000 and 4,000 brackets out. And between that, I had a third of them was winning because I just trust Tom Izzo in March. But, I, you know, that was what made, you know, everybody said this year was going to be this year of, of strangeness and parody and all that stuff. We get through the first day and everybody made it through outside one or two. And then that second day hit and, boy, you couldn't take it. Even if you weren't a basketball fan and probably didn't know much about basketball, the number of last-second shots that were going in. I mean, it was a running highlight reel for SportsCenter. They must have just been sitting there just, I don't need to do anything today. I've got all of this to show. Absolutely amazing. But I picked, uh, you know, I had a couple. I had the Northern Iowa. I had um, I had Hawaii in one. You know, a couple of the ones that weren't crazy. I don't think anybody went out and picked Middle Tennessee State. I think what is ESPN had like 2 billion brackets or something crazy and all of them were kaput by with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I mean, it's been fun to watch. but uh, So my brackets, uh, one half of it looks really, really good. And the other half has burned. Uh, and, and just existence, especially once my cats left us. So, um, but you know, I, I, I've turned my way to the CBI Invitational, the third tier tournament, because my beloved Ohio Bob, Bobcats are in it. So that's as far uh, into the ball as I've been last week since the cats went down. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here, I'm an idiot when I filled out my bracket. I, I just filled it out for fun, but I had, for some reason, I had Arizona, Kentucky. Oklahoma and Michigan State in the final four. And I don't know why I picked Arizona because that was a brain freeze on my part. And I'm never going to fill out a bracket and not put Kentucky to win the whole thing. I can't, I can't fill oh, yeah. out a bracket where we don't win it. That's just, yep. that's just me. No, I've had, uh, I do the, it's the heart and the brain brackets. Like I'll go ahead and do my heart bracket that has Kentucky in it. I mean, even in, uh, on our NIT here, I somehow had Kentucky win the national championship. But so I got my my, <laughs> that's, my that's, heart one, and then I'll go through and you know I'll, I'll have a couple of beers and then I'll, I'll fill her out the brain one. And one thing, and you and I have talked about this. I know you never can trust Arizona to get through to the Sweet Sixteen. It always happens I, I, they'll throw I up a, a boneheader. 
And, and and here's the thing about Arizona. I thought that you used to sweat when we used to go to the Blue Moon Saloon there in Lexington, and, and we dance and right. whatnot. But Sean Miller sweat through his his dress shirt ten minutes into the game. What are you doing? You make three million dollars a year. Get an undershirt. Do do that. I'm not that was lie. a little I, much. I sent him a personal letter uh, thanking him because I felt better about my sweating all the time. Um, it was one of those <laughs> things where I felt better about myself because I'd never seen – I mean, it looked like he'd been in a pool. And an undershirt was not going to help that man. I mean, we were going to see through that thing no matter what. I don't know what happened to him or if he realized, oh, I'm still playing – I'm still coaching Arizona and we're in the tournament. I don't know what gets you that big of a flop sweat. But, man, I'm, I, I'm now there feeling better. Uh, I did pick Arizona to lose, and I, I don't have to worry about sweating in public anymore. He took the cake. Because you can say, at least I'm not Sean Miller. And for my money, uh, if Mitch has got a, a file on who replaces Cal, you got to take Miller off of the list. Number one, Arizona is crap every year. Uh, and number two, if, if he can't handle that pressure of Arizona, he doesn't need to be sweating like that in, in rub because we, uh, we may have an issue. No, I think, he, you know, everybody said his name was in the file. I, I, his name had to be removed a couple years ago. I mean, he's had it, – it's kind of like Johnny Jones down at LSU. He's had amazing talent that he recruited that he's put out on the floor that um, me and you could go out like the old days and I could watch you be a scorer, not a shooter, and we could take him out. I mean, <laughs> we could do that. But – um, I, I, he can't be in the file. He he would not fit the pressure here. Like we said, there's only two or three people, and I don't even know who they are right now. I think somebody's going to be coming under. I think Cal's going to custom build somebody to take over for him. But I, I, even the young guys out there, some of the young coaches, I love Shaka Smart. I love some of these younger guys, but I just don't know how they would fit in here. So it'll be very interesting. I just, you know, as they've said, Brad Calipari, greatest recruit we've ever got. Fantastic. And and I think Cal, and you look at next year's team and, and, and all that, he's going to have a legitimate shot to get at least one more title. I, I think I'm going yeah. to put him down for one more title, uh, you know, probably another additional Final Four, and that's a pretty good legacy. That would move him to arguably number two all-time Kentucky coaches behind Rupp, and that ain't bad. You know, he's already in the Hall of oh, no. Fame. Another title to to get yep. Kentucky to, to nine, or if he's the man that can get us to double digits and with a stone's throw of UCLA, I, I still like uh, our odds of, of, of doing that. Well, and the fun part but about Jay, I, is every year, every year you can say that. We've got a shot. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, you know, I remember the years before he got here where – we just didn't feel like we had a shot at all. I mean, just, you know, well, you know, I felt like an idiot filling out my bracket having us go all the way. But, uh, you know, some of my Cardinal friends, you know, they laugh. Oh, you guys thought you were going to go 40 and 0. Well, when you're 38 and 0 going to the Final Four, yes, I legitimately thought 40 and 0 was a possibility. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, <laughs> did you already? Right. I, said, I didn't think it when we were 10 and 0, but if you're 38 and 0, We've beat Wisconsin in this situation before, and you know, and you got Duke on the other side. Yeah, I thought we could win it. Yeah, I thought four, you know. Yeah. But we're always in the mix, and that's really all you can ask for. Like I said earlier, 
to win a championship, you have to get to the Final Four. I mean, yep. you you just you have to do that, and, and Cal does that with with pretty good uh, regularity. So I don't want to keep. Amen. I know you've got a fiance, <laughs> and you've got you've got chores and stuff uh, around the house to take care of. I understand how that goes, uh, but I appreciate you jumping on. You managed to give a shout, shout out to your Ohio Bobcats that are in the 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 CR. What is it? I don't even. I think it's the CBI. I I can't even tell you. All I know is I've been getting tweets all day about it. You know, but follow your Bobcats on ESPN three against. It's Moorhead State, so it, you know I get to watch them. If you're going to watch bat, basketball, watch Ohio. I mean, it's the way to go. That's right. That's right. And folks That's right. Uh, can follow you at the Senator J O on Twitter. Uh, you're that not nearly me. as. Uh, Interesting as I am, but that's okay. That's okay. So, folks, no, no. Uh, give give the senator a, a follow. And thank you so much, Jay, for coming on and, and talking brackets and cats and the grossness uh, at the University of Louisville. I certainly appreciate it, man. Oh, oh, I had to go take a shower after talking about it. But uh, yeah, Lexington sends you best. Come see us soon, and uh, we love what you're doing. And uh, good luck. Continue going on, and we'll talk to you soon, brother. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. All right. Bye. All right. That was my good friend Jay Osborne jumping on, talking brackets and cats and cow and Louisville and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But you are listening uh, to Cats Talk Wednesday. This is uh, Terry Brown. My co-host, Benny Hardy, is on vacation. If you want to join us, you can uh, reach out. And give us a call at 845-277-9373. You can also reach out on Twitter. That's at Cats Talk Wednesday. That's at Cats Talk W-E-D. Or you can reach out to me at T-Brown underscore 80. Going to take another break, and we will be back uh, to continue our discussion with one more guest. The fake Jamel Martinez will be calling in the second hour. Again, this is Terry Brown, and this is Cats Talk Wednesday. I don't let you know that I'm crushing, that I'm crushing, that I'm crushing on your best friend, your best Yeah. 
right, thanks uh, for listening. Again, this is Cat Talk, Cats Talk Wednesday. This is uh, Terry Brown. Vinny Hardy is on uh, vacation. And uh, we just finished up a segment with uh, my good friend, the Senator Jay Osborne, talking about March Madness and covering a lot of ground. Uh, little surprise, didn't know our next guest was going to sneak on. This is, uh, I don't even know how to introduce him. This is my best friend in the entire world. Uh, we've been friends since uh, freshman year of high school, which was many, many moons ago. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, making his Cats Talk Wednesday debut, my good friend, the real RMD on Twitter, Ralph D. Francisco. How's it going, Ralph? Not bad. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I didn't know you were going to come on. Caught me by surprise, but I'm certainly glad that you could uh, you could join us. Now, folks need to know that Ralph is a Louisville fan, but that's okay. Uh, long-time yes, listeners know that I grew up a Louisville fan. And uh, in, in high school, Ralph and I, we went to a lot of, of Louisville games at Freedom Hall. I, I think one of the greatest times we had was, uh, was it the Ed Cota North Carolina team that came in? Yeah, it was, was the Ed Cota. Yeah, it was the Ed Cota team with uh didn't they have Dante Calabria on that team and stuff? I think that was the team that we yeah. saw. And and we sat relatively close to the North Carolina bench and I think I'm gonna say we good naturedly heckled the North Carolina team for most of the forty minutes. Uh I, I, that, that was that was a fun time, you know. Uh, somebody was number twenty-two, and we said that's too close to Jordan. You need to change numbers. But that was that was a good time. I think that was the highlight of our uh, heckling career uh, was actually getting some of those guys to turn around and look. So, uh, good memories. So, you're a little. I would also guy. add. Yeah, I would also add us going to the ball game and you having the kicker's number on was always a highlight too. That's right. That was the Curtis Enos-led Nittany Lions that came to Old Cardinal Stadium. And because I'm an idiot, I wore a Penn State jersey to the game. And uh, I think Penn State – Louisville was up, I think, at one point, and Penn State rattled off a bunch of points in a row. And, I, I believe they were uh, up 7 to nothing, and then it turned into a 70-7 to blowout all of a sudden. <laughs> and then you looked at me and said, we should probably get out of here because this is getting – yeah. So exactly, yeah. and, and the and the the number was, was the kicker Travis Fortney, I believe. So yeah, uh, so we 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 go way way back. So Ralph, you are uh, a Louisville fan, and and so how have you been watching the tournament? I know that Mike Rutherford of Card Chronicle is the uh, the month of salt and that kind of stuff. How are you approaching the uh, NCAA tournament this year? Well, I've. Uh... I've had to adopt a team, which is, you know, not the normal thing you want to do. But it has made the tournament fun because there's you don't have that pressure of worrying about your team playing or, you know, what's going to be the one that gets them, you know, the loss in the column. So, you know, I'm just enjoying every game. I'm not tuning the tournament out where I'm like, we're not in it, I'm not watching it. I'm 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 full in, I'm watching every game and enjoying them and, you know, you know, with no rooting interest, it's kind of fun just to enjoy some of these buzzer beaters and stuff. But um, I, I did have to adopt a team, and it's not for the reason of who you all just play, but I did have to adopt Indiana Hoosiers. And it wasn't because of the Kentucky game coming up, but, it, you know, I, I am married to 
my wife is a Hoosier fan, and she did graduate from Indiana University. So there is a connection there on why that's my team. I have to root. For, I'm rooting for in this uh, in this tournament here. And and I don't fault you for that. Uh, longtime listeners know uh, my lovely wife uh, is a St. Louis grad. So I would always, you know, I've given the, the Billikens my my props. Uh, I think they played Louisville in the tournament a couple of years ago. I picked the Billikens to win. They did not. Uh, but still, uh, I've no one no one that's been married or is married will fault you for picking your wife's team. I, I certainly understand that. Uh, yeah. But some of these crazy finishes, uh, you, you look at Northern Iowa with the uh, first round with the awesome last-second shot, second round with, I think, arguably the biggest collapse we have ever seen in I would put it up there history. with, uh, yeah, in NCAA tournament history. I would, say, I would still argue that the LSU-Kentucky comeback was the biggest collapse I've ever seen. But that may have, that, that ranks up there as the NCAA tournament game that I've seen where how do you lose that game? I mean, they were just yeah, – the plays they were making, it's, it's, and, and I, I've had conversations with folks. You and I are basketball guys. We will watch NBA, college, NCAA tournament, NIT. We're, we're, we're basketball guys. What I have seen over the last 10 years or so in in late shot clock situations at the end of – you know, the shot clock, end of halves, end of games, it's like coaches don't even practice those scenarios anymore. It's just what usually happens. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You got somebody that pounds the ball into the deck, you know, at the top of the key, and ends up chucking up a 30-foot shot. And you got to say you got to be able to get a better shot than that. Have you kind of noticed that trend where it's just kind of, you know, at the end of the game, it's like, hey, YOLO, and you just kind of you just kind of go with it. Yeah, I mean, it looks like in the games it just turns into a simple pick and roll at the top of the key, and there's really it, it doesn't look like there's any offense being run. And you know, there was a timeout just before that, and you're like, is that what you called? Was the dribble for ten seconds and, and run a pick and roll like? <laughs> Do you need a timeout to do that? You might as well just do it live and, and have the element of surprise. Um, and yeah. at the end of that Northern Iowa game, the coach not having a timeout, I'm sure it was killing him, but you would think, you know, with, with the, I think they had three seniors out there at the time that you would know not to throw it to your point guard in the corner. It's, it's a bad spot. Um, and yeah. him not even trying to dribble. I know, I know, you know, you don't have any timeouts, but he had his dribble. Like, he didn't have to just panic and start throwing it out of bounds. I mean, he would have been better off just throwing the ball all the way down the court. That would have wasted more time than what he tried to do, trying to throw it off the, you know, player under their basket. You would think, yes. uh, you know, I'm not used to the pressure situations, but you would think that would not be, you know, if you know basketball enough and you played for that many years, you would think, you know, you've had coaches yell in your ear not to throw the ball under your basket. And that, it just seemed like a bad idea that, from the yeah. start. I mean that that is such a, a a rule of basketball. You don't throw it in under your opponent's basket because 
Ten things can happen. Nine of them good. One of them so-so. Nothing good can happen from that. And yeah, you, get, and, you know, you're, you're taught that from down, you know, at peewee ball. Yeah. So you would think your senior point guard would have at least some idea, like, this is bad. I should just get out of this situation. But, yeah, that's how it broke for them. They, they they had a good tournament. I, I mean, they played hard. It was just, you know, when you come down to plays like that, and they had, you know, it just depends on if you believe in momentum or not, but Texas A&M had all the momentum all of a sudden, and it totally backfired on them. Yeah, and when you go into overtime, it's all about how you go in. If you're the team that, that, that forces the overtime, generally speaking, you, you've got that momentum. And, you know, I don't believe in a lot of coach talk and that kind of thing, but I think – that holds true. When you go to overtime, it's okay. How did we get here? You know, with one team up and the other team made a run, uh, I think all that kind of factors uh, into play. Um, now, looking ahead to the tournament, who do, who do you kind of see that's playing well enough to get to the final four? I mean, from what I've seen, I mean, of course, the one that jumps out the most is North Carolina because if you look at them from top to bottom, they have – you know, the most talent, most NBA talent, and, you know, and it looks like they're playing, you know, at the top of their game right now. Um, I was very surprised by Villanova. They usually come in and kind of lay eggs, but they played really good in the first two rounds, and I was really impressed by the way they shot the ball, you know, and were playing defense and stuff. They kind of didn't have a close game at all now. Could change once they, you know, get better competition and the games get closer. But those two really stuck out as um, who I would think – you know, is going to be there at the end. You know, of course, Kansas, you have your number one seeds that are still alive. So, they're, you know, we have all four of them still there. There's always a chance they're going to make it. Um, Oregon didn't look too bad. I, it, watching these West Coast teams, you don't ever get to see them play that much because they play so late at night. So, seeing them and then you see the talent they have and you're like, okay, you know, they, they could be matchup problems for other teams. But, you know, uh we're we're you know we're in the Midwest, so we kind of have an East Coast bias because we see all the East Coast teams more. So kind of over favor of them against the West Coast teams because I've never seen them play, you know, other than a couple of games a year to really judge how right. their talent's going to translate in, in the tournament. Yeah, I I think of what I've seen, Villanova has been the biggest surprise because of their kind of recent history of not performing well. But they they ran Iowa out of the gym, which I think was. Uh, outside of uh, Middle Tennessee State really taking it to uh, Michigan State, that was a surprise to me because Iowa for a while was a top-five team this year. Uh, I know they kind of limped into the tournament, but that was a quality team, and they just looked like they didn't belong at all. That was, to me, one of the biggest surprises uh, of the tournament. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I did go to the Big Ten tournament this year, so – I kind of over-evaluated the teams I did see because that came to backfire because I was really high on Michigan State and Purdue after watching them win so many games in the Big Ten tournament, and then they get in the tournament, and they both, you know, flame out in the first round on me. So they kind of made my eyes, and I was, you know, again, considering the Kentucky-Indiana game, I was like, well, you know, watching the Big Ten it just played, I I feel like, you know, Kentucky's probably going to take this one with ease. But there was, a, you know, that was a totally different game that, you know, with the matchup problems down below for Kentucky, but – yeah, and, and I've come to, to grips with this this team. I, I think uh, the the Murray Euless combo, one of the best. I mean, you you I'm gonna say arguably one of the best uh, 
backcourt tandems we have ever had in Kentucky history. Um, but all year we kept saying if we just get anything from the front court, just anything, nothing spectacular. Like we're not asking for a 2010 double double. But if we get one guy that can do anything, how good can this team be? And you see the the games that we won handily. We we got production from the front court, but we we just didn't against Indiana. Um, but I, I hate losing to Indiana. Uh, because I'm one to say I hate playing rivals in the NCAA tournament. Um, and I'm saying that, and we've had a pretty good run of, of, of beating rivals in the tournament. I don't like those games. The And even the Louisville-Kentucky regular season game isn't as fun as it used to be um, for me. But, but losing to Indiana, I, I, I'm not going to, you know, cry my oatmeal uh, about that. No, um, Kentucky's front court was very up and down this year. You, you would see great games from Poitras, and then, you know, like he had against the Indiana game, he kind of came out. He kind of hit the first couple of shots, and then he kind of disappeared. And um, I know yeah. it's all a lot of heat, but I don't know if it was necessary. You know, he's not – he wasn't Carl Anthony Towns, even though he was ranked coming out like that. That doesn't necessarily mean that's the kind of player he is. So I think he got a bad rap for – you know, he's more of a, a – a tall, small, you know, a small forward kind of type player. He wasn't going to yeah. go down low and get you, get you twenty and fifteen, and that that wasn't his game. So, just because, and I think the uh, rankings of high school players sometimes gets construed like, oh, you have all these five star players, but they are five star, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the same as the five star of the previous year. So it does, you know, the rankings yeah. are subjective and on what you're getting. They're five star that year, but doesn't yeah. mean. In another year, they would have been. They, you know, he possibly could have been a three if he came out last year, just you know, with the overall talent that was in that class. Right, and a, and a lot of those ranking services say stay the same. Now, uh, you and I, we are huge point guard fans. We talked about you know watching Ed Coda at uh, North Carolina, one of my favorite point guards ever. Uh, Steve Logan that played at Cincinnati, DeWan Wheat at Louisville. And, and I'm putting I'm putting Tyler Eulis right up there with what he was able to do, given how how limited this this team was. Just a phenomenal uh, job. Now, again, you're you're a Louisville fan, and I don't want to rub salt in the wounds, but kind of what are you feeling as this situation progresses? Disappointed, you know, more than anything, and. You really just want to get it over with. Like, whatever it's going to be, let's get to that point and let's get it out there so we know what was found. I mean, right now we just kind of have what she said. And, I mean, she's done TV interviews, but it doesn't seem like anybody's gone against her to try to question what she reported. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't match up with what happened, but it just seems like there's not much as in, you know, trying to come back and questioning her. It's more just taking her at her word, and that's all we see on the TV. Now, I'm, we know UofL has had to find something because they put themselves on probation. They, it wouldn't have just been her, her word. She wrote a book, and we're, we're putting ourselves on probation. So they must have found something. Now, it would just be good just to get it at this point. Let's find out what it is and move on from it. I do think this was kind of a rogue thing. I don't think it's a institution thing where the whole – is corrupt and it's leading, you know, and this is just the tip of the iceberg kind of thing. I think this is an isolated incident that um, 
is going to be, you know, what, what we find out, I think it's just going to be limited to an isolated incident. Because I, they put themselves on probation, and I, I, say, I truly believe if Jurich or the president, Ramsey, found anything that would implicate that the head coach knew, I, I would, I, he wouldn't have been on that at the press conference. I, I don't believe they would have let him go at that point. Um, so that leads me to believe that he didn't know about it. Now, what all happened or, and, you know, the other players in the game, I mean, it's all speculation and it's kind of a guessing game at this point. I mean, we can go with what she said and Coach Mike, but we have no idea who that person is or, you know, doesn't necessarily mean he worked for the university. It could have been somebody Andre McGee knew and he coaches, you know, an AAU team. You know what I mean? It's hard to narrow down who this, you know, who the people are in, the, in this involved so far. And, uh, you know, we're not – we're only hearing one side um, – you know, it, it is a. I heard you know we were talking to Jay earlier, and it is a gross story. Um, but I don't think it, it. You know, it's any grosser than other scandals of the past. You know, real time, they're all gross stories. I mean, you can downplay the North Carolina it, thing, but that's that's the institution itself, a, a higher learning university, and they're faking grades and giving out fake, you know degrees i mean that's what that place is for and they're going against it just so their athletes can be eligible to play basketball or you know or football i i don't think that's any less gross than what happened here right and 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 i i think gross. and here's and here's the thing is i'm sure you saw what supposedly was katina versus t will on facebook the the details that are going to come out are going to be graphic in nature this is a sexual story and and I say gross because that part of uh, of it is gross. Now, I think North Carolina needs to have the hammer brought down. I think everybody not in the NCAA or not in the state of North Carolina believes North Carolina needs to be hammered pretty hard. Um, but unfortunately, the world we live in, when when details of a sexual nature are released, that's got a lot of more sizzle to it than a fake degree. You know, right or wrong, and I think. Uh, oh, I totally agree. Like, no, no one's gonna. If you see, you know, a prostitute at a, a college basketball dorm, you're definitely gonna click on that before reading about a North Carolina student took a t- took a paper class. Like, there's no, there's no sizzle to it. There's nothing there. There's nothing to get excited about. Right. Like, oh, that's that seems naughty, but you know, there's nothing there to <laughs> to make you uh, want to. It's not clickbait. Yeah, and, and my thing, especially with ESPN's second interview with Katina, I think it's overkill. She has said everything she is going to say. There's nothing – there's no revelation she's going to come up with. If she was going to produce whatever, I think she would have produced it by now. I, I think it's overkill at this point. And to be honest with you, kind of like Cal was for a little bit, kind of like Jerry Tarkanian was, uh, these writers, these sports folks, it's easy to – Patino and Louisville right now, it's an easy article to write. It, it, I mean, it just kind of is what it is. Uh, people can get on their high horse and, and this, that, and the other. I have said on this show, and I think I wrote something about it, I try not to get on my high horse because if you're a fan of a college team, all it takes is a bad decision by an 18-year-old and your program is the dirty program. So we are all living in a glass house hoping that these 17-, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds are making good decisions and hoping exactly. that, yeah. that coaches, you know, these coaches whose lives depend on wins and losses, 
do the right thing. And I think that's a great area that we've all got our, as fans, we're kind of hitched up to uh, because you, you never know who's going to be the next sports center lead story. You, you just don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, like, like the Terrell prior case in, in Ohio state, I mean, he was exchanging memorabilia for tattoos. Not that, not that bad, but Ohio state got hit for it. I mean, and it was just an 18, 19 year old kid that suddenly he wanted some tattoos. I'm, I'll sign some footballs for you. And I mean, it, it leads to Trestle losing his job over it, you know? Yeah, you, you just you just never can tell. So certainly, uh, with that. Now, I know all of a sudden, switching gears a little bit. I don't know when this happened, but I know at some point you became a Peyton Manning fan, and. Uh, I don't know when that happened. Probably when you married that that Hoosier wife of yours. But but Peyton Manning. <laughs> you did say Hoosier, right? I did say I did say Hoosier. Okay. Don't don't get me banned from your house. Uh, but Peyton Manning ends his career. Where do you kind of put him? I, I know, not to borrow from from first take because I hate Skip Bayless and I hate mm-hmm. uh, Stephen A. Smith. But if you've got a Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, where do you put put Peyton Manning? I, I think do you put him when you got all the great quarterbacks? You got you know maybe fifteen. Do you put him at the big table, or is he in the table next to it? Where in the room do you think Peyton Manning kind of fits? I would say now after, I mean people can downplay him winning that second Super Bowl, but. I think that moves him up to the big table. I mean, I, I still – Joe Montana was still the best quarterback I've ever seen play football. And right answer. I, I, right answer. I would still have him – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying right right answer. When you say Joe Montana, right answer. Oh, yeah. Now, and But, I mean, if you just look at Peyton Manning's numbers, and I know you can't base everything on that because, you know, offenses have changed, there's been different – but he kind of revolutionized the modern quarterback as we know it as far as um, – the way he goes in a game plan, the more you know, the calling audibles at the line. I, you just don't remember seeing that growing up. You didn't see a lot of quarterbacks checking, reading the defense. It was more they came out, ran the play. Um, it, it just came more mainstream that that's what quarterbacks are doing now, and it's a very important part of you know NFL offenses to have a quarterback that can do that. I mean, it's pure numbers alone. I mean, he's number one in almost every category now. Um, so I, I would put him up there at the big table. Um, I think sometimes he gets blamed for some of the playoff losses, but, you know, football is not – the quarterback gets all the glory and they get all the fault too, but it's not always just as easy as that one person could have prevented it. They, you know, there is 11 on defense that has a job too, and I, I think sometimes he was on the other end of some bad performances or, you know, playing some some great Patriot teams too, and, you know – not to take away from Peyton, but, I mean, Tom Brady is not, a, you know, a slouch of a quarterback either. He's one of the probably top five quarterbacks as well. And, you know, when you're in the same conference and, you know, you're all both fit in to go to the Super Bowl, there's going to be winners and losers on that. So it's just more times or not that Brady's come out on the winning side. So, But I don't think that takes away from Peyton's legacy at all. Yeah, and, and I've, I've softened my stance on, on Peyton. Uh, because he really did, when he came into the league in in 98, he really did signal a change for how much control quarterbacks had at the line of scrimmage. 
of course, quarterbacks have been allowed to audible for years and years, but it, it wasn't like he was audible. It was like he was calling the plays. Throughout and the he game. was the offensive think coordinator. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was he was like he was the offensive coordinator on the field. We never saw that before, where the quarterback was no huddling, but it wasn't a fast no huddle. It was a no huddle. Let's see what you're going to come out in, and then I'm going to call the play. And we haven't really seen anybody do that. I think it's more the norm now. Um, just because that people have watched him and learned from it, but I don't think that was the norm at the time. I mean, growing up when we watched it, you know, it it was Troy Aikman just handing the ball off 40 times, and he was considered a great quarterback. But um, I, I think he revolutionized the game and how how it's going to move forward on how quarterbacks are going to be viewed and how they how they grow and develop and you know how how much control of the offense they have because a lot of people putting stuff on them now. Like you've got to be able to do this if you're going to succeed. And, and I think and, – and that's a great point. And I've actually uh, – since he retired, I've been thinking about this. You know, people talk about how many bad quarterbacks there are in the league, and I don't think there are necessarily that many bad quarterbacks, but there aren't that many quarterbacks that can do what Peyton Manning does, what Aaron Rodgers does, what, uh, you know, what Tom Brady does. Because, again, you know, we're we're old. We're getting up there. But growing up, even – Joe Montana had Roger Craig and Tom Rathman. You know, you had a you know you had a running game where you you were running you were handing it off, like you said, thirty thirty five times a game. You you weren't making that many throws, having to make that many decisions. And as much as I like Joe Montana, he wasn't going necessarily down the field as much as those guys do either. So it's a uh, it's a changing landscape, and people see the success that. The, the Patriots have going four or five wide, and we all know what, what Peyton Manning has done. And, you know, we got quarterbacks that can't do what they do. And and so, yeah, they look terrible in comparison, but I don't think that's necessarily the, the standard we need to we need to set. Yeah, it's going to be hard expectations if you're, if you're a quarterback coming out and you get compared to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, you know, most of the time you're going to have failures if that's your – if that's your – your base that you're looking for. Cause I, I mean, I, I would say that they're all three probably hall, you know, well, two of them are definitely hall of fame bound. And I'm sure Rogers is on his way and, you know, possibly Drew Brees. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're looking at a group of classic quarterbacks that don't come along very often. And uh, it's hard to judge the, the future talent coming out to them at this point. Also Peyton Manning threw a football at a kid's head on Saturday Night Live, which I think jumps him up a couple <laughs> of notches. I, I, I think I think so. I think so too. One last NFL question: Who's the best receiver of all time? Um, do you want me to say T. Brown, or do you want me to go with Jerry Rice? Jerry Rice, man. Jerry Rice. I know. That's 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 that's, that's, that's the right answer to that uh, to that question. Uh, speaking of I, which, I thought you were always uh, a Troy thought, Brown fan. I thought I would throw it out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I've, I've told the story of, of going to the uh, Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. Uh, the, the two of us went because that was always my goal to go when Jerry got in, and we went and, and had a great time. Uh, so we need to we need to do that again. Uh, I don't Eight think man, I'll go this we year. To, well, we'll <laughs> in five years, but I think <laughs> there will be a lot of Hoosiers there, so it might be it, it might be uh, fun to go to that. Uh, again, so 
Uh, now turning again because I'm moving around. Um, we're uh, basketball guys, NBA. Uh, do you think the Warriors? Do you think they're going to get to 72? I think it's going to be tough. Um, I know they're close, and uh, you know, me personally, I don't want to see the record fall just because they, I grew up watching those Jordan Bulls teams, so I kind of want it to stand. Um, but I think just getting this close to it, I, I think the pressure might start building on them. I, I know. You know they they won the championship. They shouldn't have that pressure. But I, you know breaking records comes down to a different thing. Just like the Patriots felt when they were trying to go undefeated, like trying to do something that had you know has only been done once before, kind of catches up to you at some point. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough. I'm I'm not saying it's impossible, but I you know it, they could possibly tie the record. You know just finish 72 and 10. But I, I just think it's going to be tough for them to pull that off, just because I think even if the teams aren't the greatest that they're playing at the end of the year, those teams are going to give it their best shot. Like we don't want, you know, we don't want the record to be against us. So we got to, you know, let's put a stop to this. In, in, in talking about, uh, cause again, we start dating ourselves. I mean, we're, they're talking about this historic bulls team and we were full grown when they, when the bulls went on this run. I mean, we were out of high school. I mean, I, I remember yeah. what the bulls were doing. That's when you, I tell folks, that's when you start to get old, when you see stuff on TV that says 20 years ago and you remember exactly what you were doing. Like, I, I, remember, I remember that team. I remember Jordan walking off in the 95 playoffs after the, the Magic had beat him, and he just had this look like this won't happen again. And for them to come out and do what they did that next season is, is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I know this is a, a – topic that's been floated around Steph Curry where do you see him on the list of all-time great shooters has he reached that point where if you've got a shot to win the game do you do you how many people deep do you go before you give Steph the ball Uh, I'm going to assume that you're going to be like most people and go with with Jordan to take it first I I think that kind of goes without saying but where does Steph kind of come up in somebody you trust. I mean, I, I would say he would have to be top ten at this point. I mean, just looking at how he gets his shot off, how fast he gets it off, you know, the accuracy of his shot, how deep he can take it. I mean, there's other people out that, you know, you don't want to forget about Jordan taking last second shots. Now, maybe not a three, but if I needed a bucket, if I just need a two, I'm going to Jordan. But, I mean, you have Larry Bird. He was clutch at his own right. Um, I mean, oh, yeah. Bryant. There's others out there. Yeah. Now, I don't know if we can go anointing Steph as, you know, the top five player. You know, I think a career is more than just, you know, one good season before we anoint him as the top, you know, shooting guard that's ever played this game, before we put him in those lofties. I think he has to do it for a couple more years at this level, peak apex, before we can say, okay, he's the the best shooter ever. I mean, it's just kind of hard. I mean, even Ray Allen, just bringing him up, I mean, he was – He's one of the most clutch shooters I've ever seen play basketball. And now he, he granted he didn't it's, score at this pace, but he was, you know, at the anytime he was taking a shot, you were really scared of, of if he was on the opposing team. Well, and, and I think what hurt Ray Allen is now we remember what he was in Boston and what he was in Miami, where he was just a, 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 a catch and shoot guy. What I argue is. 
There's a reason he was Jesus and he got game. Ray Allen could ball. He could attack the oh, yeah. rim. He had mid-range game, and I think because he was in Milwaukee, which honestly, the Milwaukee Bucks, I sometimes forget that they're even an NBA team. Like, I'll be watching Sports Center, and there'll be so and so beat the Bucks, and be like, oh yeah, Milwaukee. You forget about them, and and playing in Seattle. Yeah, you forget they're still after, a, a franchise. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, didn't Lou Alcindor play there? Are they still around? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, You know, playing in Seattle after the Gary Payton, Sean uh, Kemp run, when they weren't very good, you'd forget about him, and then he would be an all-star and hit, you know, three or four deep threes in the all-star game. He's like, oh, yeah, there's Ray Allen. And and it's so hard to compare the different eras because basketball rules have have changed on, you know, the defenses you can play, the hand-checking, stuff like that. So, I mean, it's more the old guys complaining that the the older guys would have done good in this NBA, and that's not to take away from Steph Curry, I'm sure, you know. But there was different rules, well, and it's hard to, to gather how it would have been, you know, if, they were, if that era team was playing now, like what would have been the possibilities? Yeah, and you can't compare eras. I mean, you look at – there's that photo of Lynn Dawson, Super Bowl one, sitting in the locker room smoking a cigarette. Uh, yeah, do, with the one-bar face mask. Yeah, do you? I mean, come, come, come on. You, you got somebody yeah. smoking a cigarette at halftime versus what these guys do today. You you can't compare that. So yeah. Um, but as we're talking, I've got uh, my final guest on because, like I said, Vinny is on vacation. Cats talk Wednesday. Uh, and I always said I was going to invite my guys on, like Eminem and D12, Nelly and the St. Lunatics. I was going to always bring uh, my guys on. So I've had Jay on, I've got Ralph on, and now we're going to welcome to the conversation the fake Jamel Martinez, uh, who I went to UK with, and and uh, he scared me with his Lego collection and, and Dungeons and Dragons and such. But he is uh, a Twitter celebrity, and the fake Jamel joins us from his Dungeons and Dragons Dragon Master dungeon somewhere. Fake Jamel, how's it going, buddy? Well, I, I definitely feel like if I'm part of your posse, then I'm the Dungeon family. So, oh, I'm Look sorry. That. You don't dungeon. go with the ATL. You don't go with the ATL rap groups. Okay, fine, whatever. D- dungeon family. Look at look at fake Jamel bringing it. Bringing it, bringing the heat, bringing the heat. Uh, so, and, and Ralph, you can chime in too because Fake Jamel is going to start making some crazy points. Fake Jamel, no. okay. you have been probably the the number one person I know uh, on the UK side campaigning for Kentucky and Indiana to resume their yearly meeting in basketball. Does the loss? On Saturday, does that make you want it more or less? Still the same? Where are you sitting today? I am sitting in a deep pool of sadness um, because I was denied yet again the sweet, sweet taste of of beating the Hoosiers. I am, I am, you know, I knew IU was going to be a bad matchup for us. I knew that they had a really good interior presence with Thomas Bryant. I knew they could go inside out on us, and that's always been 
you know, our, our Cal's defensive weakness is when you can bang it inside and then and then bring in the defenders and and then have somebody on the outside that can pop threes. But I, I mean, I'm still on board with rivalry. I um I grew up uh, across the river from Indiana. Uh, you know, back in the in the 1980s and 90s, uh, I had to deal with you know all of them worshiping Bobby Knight and all of them you know scoffing, looking down our nose their noses at us uh, during the uh, the the great shame of the cheating scandal in the late 80s, um, and then having the 90s and the 2000s where we were just pounding on them consistently. Those were happy times, and I want those happy times to come back. You know, there's there's so many people that live in that region and enjoy uh, enjoy that rivalry so much, and, and enjoy in the sense of oh God, I hope we don't lose, right? I mean, that's how we deal with all big rival rivalries like playing Duke and playing Louisville. There's so many people yep. that that want that. And and I think the team should work something out, whether it's doing what Cal wants to do, where it's always a, a neutral court or home and home. I don't care. They need to play. I, I, you know, my stance was we don't need to play them. Forget the Hoosiers. Move on. I'm coming around to we, and, and you can do this in college basketball. Play everybody. I mean. Load up the schedule, you know, get some cupcakes on there, obviously. But play play everybody. Play UCLA. I think college basketball would be a lot better if more of the Blue Bloods played each other. If if Duke played UCLA, played Michigan State, played Kansas, played Kentucky, and even for the sake of this argument, Ralph, I'll even put Louisville in the mix. I mean – I, it, your feelings on Louisville? I, they're still they're still a top ten program, you know, even without what's going on right now. But I, 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 I don't believe Indiana and Kentucky should play as well. I mean, it's it's a it's a rivalry game. It's a you know cross state rivalry. It's they're always good matchups. Um, you know, you kind of miss not seeing it on the schedule. I mean, it's 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 what you want to turn on on a Saturday and watch. That, you know, you want to see Indiana versus Kentucky. You want to see that Duke versus Kentucky. You you want to see those names when you when you turn on the game. And, and I think college basketball can do that where college football cannot. You know, for for the you know the schedule's not as big and that kind of thing. But college basketball can have more of this round robin, big name mentality. And and I think that they need to do that. Um, so I, I, don't think, I, think, I think a lot of it. I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, making sure that a team isn't overloaded, right? I can understand the argument of Indiana needs this game more than Kentucky does because Indiana doesn't play the blue-blooded schedule that, that we do. That's their own fault, honestly. If they want to play UCLA, they can sign their own deal and fly out to L.A. and watch – the UCLA fans discover in the second half, oh, we actually have a basketball team like it to happen this year. <laughs> but but it doesn't it doesn't matter. You can you can make priorities in your scheduling to make sure that one, 
Calipari's young teams aren't going to be too overwhelmed. I can understand I can understand the logic of Cal saying, I don't want to do a home-and-home home because I'm going to have a team that goes into Bloomington and it's going to get their – it's going to be a, a, a eye-opening experience for them in, in the worst way. I can understand that. From, from his standpoint, he wants to win games and he wants to be competitive in the games where his, his freshmen may or may not be up to the task at the time. You know, January, January, December, you know, some of these guys need as much time as possible to get used to the game. I understand that. But you can still find a solution where we are playing on a regular basis. It's just a matter of do the schools want to draw the line and saying that's the home and home. Well, that's on them. That's really on them. If they really want to play, they can in a new we do they right now they do like this this like four these four this rotating tournament thing where they play Purdue and Notre Dame and some other team as like an Indiana classic or a classic or the Hoosier classic or whatever. Nobody goes to those games. Nobody cares about those games. You know? <laughs> play cancel that Put Kentucky in it. Put Cincinnati in it. Put, you know, some other team that's regional, Notre Dame, in it. There, you got your four blue bloods that'll be playing in late December. Perfect. And then we can play IU once every three years. That's no big deal as long as we're playing. Well, and the one thing I have kind of figured out, uh, even with Kentucky fans, who whatever when you ask a Kentucky fan who is your main rival. It really depends on where they grew up, where in the state they grew up. For folks in my area here in Louisville, Jefferson County, obviously the Louisville-Kentucky game is huge. Uh, I mean, that, that is the de facto, that is everything, all the marbles. But in your backwoods part of Kentucky where you grew up, uh, Indiana is obviously the main, the main draw right across the river. And that's the thing about being in Louisville as well. We got IU and Louisville fans walking around among Kentucky fans, and I'm surprised there's not more uh, gang violence like in West Side Story with dance-offs and everything. Uh, But the folks in the southern part of the state, I didn't realize that Tennessee – I never really considered Tennessee to be a rival. I mean, I know we played them and we call them a rival, but you know, particularly football, I didn't know it was that strong. But in that part of the state, beating Tennessee is a huge deal, even in basketball, whatever it is. So I think it kind of it depends on, on you know, where you are or where you grew up. Yeah, absolutely. When there's the people that live in northern Kentucky, you know, want to play Cincinnati to a degree. It's more of the people in Ohio want to play, want Kentucky to play Cincinnati, and then we'll play like a three-game stretch, and then Cincinnati will get beat all three games. And then they're done for a decade. And now they're ready to play, you know, now they're ready to have a series rivalry again. But, yeah, it, it absolutely, when you live in a particular region, the teams around that region really really affect your your hood, who you grew up around and, and who's, who's, big, who's big in your area and whether those teams play. And you get a lot of – you get that fan juice, you know, that rush of – my rival, my team just beat your team, stuff it. You know, and that's that's a feeling that can last all year long, especially around the Owensboro area, you know, when you've when you pounded IU in the NCAA tournament. And that didn't happen this year, obviously, but 
But, you know, back in 2012, you know, everybody in, on the Owensboro side of the river remembers that game, and somehow every Hoosier fan forgets that we played an NCAA tournament uh, that same year of the they, Watford shot. Yes, the, it, it was the Watford shot and this past Saturday. Uh, now, Ralph, again, you're a, you're a Louisville guy, and, you know, I grew up a Louisville fan, but I saw the light, and, I, you know, I understand that. But with Louisville, and I'm not saying this to – uh, to mock Louisville, although I kind of am a little bit, with Louisville kind of hopping conferences, you know, outside of the Kentucky game, who is it that has be- kind of become that that rival with Louisville? You know, outside of Kentucky, I know you know basketball. You want, there's Duke and Carolina, but but who is it that's becoming that that conference rival that a team that you that you really just want to beat? I mean, the way the ACC set up now, Virginia's supposed to be our rival and uh, you know I feel they're kind of getting the best of us right now but I, I do feel like that's building up because that's one of the games that you look for you know along with Duke and North Carolina they're going to jump out as you know the big marquee matchups but I always kind of and uh, I feel like Notre Dame is kind of taking on that too just for the you know we, we always seem to have pretty competitive close games or back you know the five overtime game there's all there's been great games yeah. in that series so that makes it sound out more as like uh, you know we have something going with this team there you know there's something there it's not just, uh, you know, playing Boston College, you win by 40 and it's over with. But, the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the Notre Dame games are, you know, they're turning into quite the rivalry game. I mean, that, that's the one I look at on the schedule. And um, Syracuse kind of jumps out because we've had some, some you know, nail biters with them. And, you know, for the most part, we, you know, we had a seven-game winning streak against them. But I always kind of look at them as a team that, you know, because they kind of came with us from the Big East. You know, we joined the Big East. We had some great battles with them. And, you know, they kind of came over to the ACC too. So, um, I know we came after them. But there's kind of a built-in rivalry there just because they've been playing for some years. But uh, say jumping out of the ACC, you know, it feels like Virginia and Notre Dame are the ones I look at as being kind of the, the rivalry games now. Well, and, and that's interesting. I, I tweeted about this a week ago, a couple of weeks ago. I remember growing up in the old Metro Conference and how intense the Louisville-Cincinnati-Louisville-Memphis State games were. That, to me, that, that, that's, that's a rival, like a team that, I mean, you have to worry because there might be fisticuffs uh, in the stands. And, and, yes, it's 2016, and I use the word fisticuffs. But uh, – that's the kind of intensity I like, and that's been the downside to this conference realignment. You know, does yeah, Maryland playing? The... Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, does, I didn't mean to catch up. We haven't reached that level of, of hate of Cincinnati and Memphis. You know, you, we still call them Memphis State, even though they've never been that in 20 years. But there is <laughs> right. a, a hatred there that that doesn't go away. I wouldn't put any, anybody on par with Cincinnati or Memphis at this point in the conference. You know, Kentucky still gives you that you hate them, you know, when you're playing at the time, but nobody in conference has, has gotten to that point yet. You're right, though, about the conference realignment. It does, it has kind of wore down some of the rivalries, you know, with teams moving on. We can't play, you know, we don't play Cincinnati anymore. We don't play Memphis anymore, um, you know. And in, in, in looking back at those those uh, Metro Conference, you know, Southern Miss with Clarence Weatherspoon and Virginia Tech with Bimbo Cole, those are some great games. And I think you get that with the bigger conference and the unbalanced, uh, you know, and the unbalanced uh, schedules that it, that it provides. Because fake Jamel, wasn't it last year we only played Tennessee once in men's basketball? Is that right? 
uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but it was weird. It was very weird. weird. And I don't know who's our permanent rival supposed to be. Is it Florida? See, I don't know. Uh, In basketball? In basketball, I think it's Florida. I think Florida is supposed to be our main rival because of the recent history with Florida. Um, although, no, I, I was about to say I was thinking about A and M, but I don't think they gave. I don't think we they assigned A and M to Kentucky because that would be just dumb. Well, basically, what happens is whoever the hottest team in as far as like in a three year span in the SEC that becomes. Kentucky's rival, and all the games are all the SEC conference games that TV rights are structured around Kentucky playing those that team. So you know it was Florida, and you know if if A and M heats up, then it's going to be an A and M. You know it used to be Mississippi State, so you know whatever. Well, in in I've kind of thought about this, and let me know your thoughts on this, Big Jamel and Ralph. You can chime in uh, uh, too. When it comes to SEC men's basketball, has Kentucky been hurt because there hasn't been a foil? There hasn't been a team that's had a good enough run to where you really think year in, year out, Kentucky's going to have their hands full, like Duke and Carolina in the ACC, like Georgetown, Syracuse, St. John's in the Big East. Uh, I don't, I'm trying to think who in the Big Ten, I guess, you know, Michigan State, Purdue, Indiana. I don't know, Ralph, you're the Big Ten guy. But uh, I thought that when Arkansas came into the SEC with Nolan Richardson, I thought, okay, this is the team that is going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Kentucky. But obviously that didn't happen. And, And now we're seeing Florida, who had a pretty good run, but is now kind of falling back to the pack a little bit. Do you think it has hurt or helped Kentucky not having that 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 conference rival. It only hurts Kentucky when Kentucky is hurting itself. So if we're going to go through a weak SEC conference where there is no other alpha, alpha dogs in it, and you have a team that, that loses badly on the road, then that negatively impacts RPI that negatively impacts where your NCAA tournament seeding is going to be. That negatively negatively impacts how far you can make it in the NCAA tournament uh, vis-a-vis this year, right? I, you know, yeah. that, that, but that's like completely out of – somewhat that is completely out of K- Kentucky's control. There's, I mean, they're, they hired um, – Trangies, Mike Transies, I think it is. He he was like the former Big Twelve commissioner or something, just to focus on bringing up SEC basketball. And we've been hearing for years that SEC basketball is going to get better and get get better and get bigger. And to be to be fair, some of the teams are pumping money finally into SEC basketball because uh, Mike Slive and and the current commissioner of the SEC uh, was it Greg Sankey. Um, yeah. Both of them have been telling these schools, look, we have an SEC network. We have no programming that people will watch from January to March. You have to have good basketball teams. You have to. <laughs> That's the way we yeah. make money. And and now, so these... and so the the schools are, are, are pumping it up, but you know, it's just it's just a matter of time until something finally takes hold. But as far as hurting Kentucky, 
it, it, I mean, Kentucky only hurts itself in conference play. Yeah, and, I, I kind of agree with. Uh, sorry. No, go, I was go ahead. Say, I kind of agree with. I was kind of agree with Fake Jamel's point. SEC is so hard to know who who is going to be Kentucky's, you know, rival at, at this. In this time next year, what what team's going to step up? I mean, this year was kind of Texas A&M. They won the SEC regular season, but uh, that's that's not the sexy name that you want to see when you look at the SEC. You know, when it comes time to go back and start looking at the who they played and stuff, Texas A&M is not the the name that you want to see there. You know, um, that, and that's kind of I think what hurts the SEC is, is it's just random. I mean, you have Kentucky, and then who, who's it going to be this year? You know, there's always three or four teams that kind of come out of nowhere, you know, like Mississippi a couple of years ago, or you'll have Texas A&M this year. But it's so random on who it's going to be, and it's kind of hard for Kentucky to even have any kind of conference rivalry with anybody other than Tennessee just because they're the state connected to them. But other than that, you know, in Florida, I think Florida's kind of fell off. They had their, their run, but they haven't done much since then. I mean, Donovan did some, you know, he had some good recruiting classes and stuff, but it was never the same as it was for that, you know, three-year, you know, two, three-year period there. So it's it's kind of hard to it, – it, it does hurt Kentucky. You know this team is going to be the team this year, and, and that's how it's going to be. I mean, it, it just fluctuates, so it's kind of hard to know. And that, that it, with it being that way, you don't know who it, – it's not the – they don't get the same kind of respect when you look back at their schedule and go, oh, they beat Texas A&M. Like, but Texas, you know, Texas A&M ended up having a good season, but when you look back at it, it just doesn't have the sexy name appeal of, of oh, you beat Duke in North Carolina this year. So that – you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think it necessarily hurts because I think Kentucky being Kentucky, it's, it's not like if this was college football in a different conference and, and it's kind of like Boise State. Uh, Boise State is good, but you you don't give their conference run any weight. And I think that's what's happening to uh, Kentucky because even in the uh, mid-'90s, you know, when we were all in school, uh, which seems like forever ago, you know, everybody remembers, you know, you know, not the 96 Kentucky team, but that Mississippi State team was pretty darn good too. You know, when you look at, uh, you know, Arkansas was able to get to, you know, some Final Fours and win a championship. You know, Florida, that Mike Miller team got to the title game. It wasn't – it was not just Kentucky. But these last couple of years, it's like Kentucky and everybody else. And you see these coaches post-game – and, you know, they're all tired of addressing it, but you, you have to take care of that in the postseason. If you don't want it to be Kentucky and the other guys, you have to do something about it. And, and some of the SEC's problems has been just a lack of focus on what to do in the postseason. You know, like uh, like some of, these, some of these teams that, you know, schedule an exceptionally cupcake non-conference schedule – that's what happened to South Carolina. They didn't really play anybody in non-conference. Uh, the the one or two teams that they did play, they won against, and they came in the non-conference undefeated, and they were in the top 25 at the very beginning of the year, and they got in the middle of conference play, and they take a, they take a lot of losses because they get into <laughs> nitty-gritty conference play, and they end up sink through the rankings, and their RPI is already crap because of this strength of schedule, and they don't make the tournament. You know, and some of that is self-inflicted. Some of that is these these ADs that and coaches that are more interested in looking to be, you know, have one loss at the end of non-conference and don't care how they get it. 
but but hopefully they're going to start doing the math that hey we need to start attracting the kind of talent that gets you into the postseason. We need to start getting the kind of in the facilities and and everything. I mean, uh, speaking of Florida, uh, Billy Donovan was there all those years, and they didn't renovate the O Dome until just now. They are just now finally making that into a facility that's worthy of a big basketball team. So it, it's a it's a matter of these schools taking it seriously. And and, and that's one thing uh, I, I think that gets underrated. We talk about facilities and people toss around numbers, you know, new facilities. Old Miss got a new basketball arena. But when you I think more than just the facility itself, it's it's signaling you know what? We care about this sport. We 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 there's there's a focus on this sport here, because outside of Kentucky, we all know that basketball is, you know, behind football. I think that's that's obvious. But you have to at least show a little bit of effort on on making your team competitive. Well, it's behind baseball too, in the SEC. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think we were living in Blandon 2, parking behind the towers at that point. And I remember coming out one weekend and seeing, like, RVs for LSU. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And, and they were tailgating on the road for baseball. So yeah. just a, just a, a, a crazy uh, uh, situation. So uh, we're running toward the end of the show. So, Ralph, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still with you. All right, who who who's going to the Final Four right now? Out of the six, sixteen teams left, who do you got getting to Houston? Well, um, I, I think I'm going to ride the Hoosiers in. I'm going to go ahead and take them to the promised land of making the Final Four, getting Creed to the Final Four. Um, I don't have my bracket pulled up right now. I would say Kansas is a lock just because I think they got that side pretty much. You know, ready to go. Um, kind of got me off guard. I was not thinking about college basketball about the bracket. You know. <laughs> that, but that, that's all right. Do you, do you, so you got Indiana upending North Carolina. Yeah, I, oh, I, wow. and I feel I think Virginia. This is the year they're gonna they're gonna finally make it to the Final Four. They don't have to deal with Michigan State. It's knocked them out the past couple of years. So I think Virginia is gonna be one. Um, like I said, I think Kansas is going to be coming out of the the South bracket, and out West, I I, I just kind of like I like Buddy Hills, but I think Oklahoma is going to do it. Okay, I had Oklahoma in my original uh, four, but I also had Arizona, so take that for what it's worth. Ben <laughs> Jamel, who do you have? <laughs> who do you have of the sixteen teams remaining? Who do you have uh, making it all the way to Houston? Uh, out of the East, I have I don't care, and out of the West, I, I have who cares. I, I don't. I I I think I think North Carolina is going to come out of the East. I don't think I don't think the Hoosiers are going to get around them. I think uh, 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 I think Yogi will tear them up, but I don't think they're going to have the kind of ball movement against North Carolina that they were able to get against Kentucky, and they have enough weight. In their in their front court to kind of slow down Thomas Bryant. Uh, outside of outside of North Carolina, um, 
I think most everything is pretty much a toss-up. I really kind of hope that Oklahoma makes it. Uh, Buddy's uh, Buddy's a great story, and I was I was for sure that he was gonna he was gonna wear down at the end of the tournament. In fact, I had them going out in the in the second round of my bracket, so that tells you exactly what I know. But uh, they but you know the fact that he's remade himself into a, an almost NBA caliber player. Uh, over you know over a season is just amazing. It's it's the it's, it's the stuff of storybooks, and so I definitely want to see him. Uh, I definitely want to see him get to that that final stage. Um, out of the other brackets, I, I really don't know. I'm sure Virginia, whatever, it's they're going to put up 63 points and hold the other team to 59. Yay! And you know you know whoever else. <laughs> Virginia can't. Wait. I don't wish Virginia success because of that. In Wisconsin, either I, I, I can't watch games in the 40s and 50s. That's that's that to me is anti-basketball. I don't like it at all. Uh, so you haven't I, watched I just, you haven't watched college basketball for four years because that's what it was until they finally freed everything up this year. It was awful. I, yeah, yeah, but I don't like Virginia doing what they're doing, and, and don't take away from my thunder uh, ever again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I, I think uh, Virginia uh, makes it, even though I don't want it to. I think it's Carolina. I, I'm going to go uh, with Oklahoma. I'm still going to ride Oklahoma and, and, and Kansas because I don't even think Bill Self can screw this up. <laughs> but 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 they'll they'll crap the bed against Maryland because I said that, and I'll be able to post my favorite picture uh, of Bill Self and all the lower seeded teams that he's uh, that he's uh, lost to. <laughs> We're winding down. One last question for you guys. Uh, outside of your own schools, what is your favorite March Madness memory? Favorite outside of watching U of L win it? Um, I would. I mean, it's gonna hurt you, but the Duke Kentucky game. I know you don't want to hear about it, but. That that was the greatest basketball game I've ever seen with my own eyes watching it. And, I mean, I was, you know, a young kid at the time, but I still remember that game and, you know, yeah. how I felt. I, even not being a Kentucky fan, that that was heartbreaking. I mean, I, and I was, I was rooting for Kentucky in that game just because, you know, I liked all the players that were on that team. And that's a memory that just sticks out as that, you know. That that I just watched the greatest basketball game ever played, and and how exciting it was, and you know all that went into it, and the, you know the the agony of it, and I, I I felt it that game, you know even though it wasn't my team, I was like wow that that hurts. So what just happened? Um, I know that's a bitter memory to bring up, but that that's one of them that sticks out to me. Wait wait to wait to bring the heat on a Kentucky calling show. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, hey, wait! I felt, I felt they, we got enough going on on the Louisville side, so I want to be a little hateful on yours before I get off here. <laughs> it right. is the month of fall. <laughs> yeah, your your favorite non-Kentucky tournament memory. Uh, let's go with any time Duke loses in the first weekend. I I thoroughly enjoy hate watching Duke. I thoroughly enjoy watching them struggle when they're you know going up against as a five seed against a twelve or whatever, 
and and when they lose in the in the in that first round and, and that look on Coach K's face, like this is not acceptable. That that's some primo stuff. I tell you what, that's that's the stuff that can that can float a man for a week. Uh, <laughs> I think most of America that that's not uh, you know Durham uh, linked will go with. Seeing Coach K's face after a Duke loss, or as, as they're on their way to losing in the tournament, I think is a as a happy sight that uh, that keeps me warm, uh, keeps me warm at night. So, uh, as far as my favorite uh, NCAA memory, non-Kentucky, and I have said this before, and I will still say it. Uh, third grade TB, I was a Louisville fan at the time. I had a very strict bedtime. Uh, Ralph will tell you he's met my parents, and when I say strict, they were strict. But they let me stay up late to watch uh, Louisville-Duke in the 1986 championship game. Uh, Huge Milt Wagner fan. Uh, My dad let me get that middle part. You remember, Ralph, that he had shaved in his his, his (laughs) front (laughs) Yeah, so – but being able to the thing was, you kept wearing it for years to come. That was the problem. That was the problem. All right, where's the mute button? <laughs> I, I feel like okay, I Ralph. We, Ralph, we need to see some pictures on Twitter. You <laughs> yeah. know, later tonight. Oh, I got <laughs> some. I don't know if we should post them all, but oh no, no, no. But but that that was a a, a pretty good memory uh, for me because I, I love basketball. I, I know a lot of Kentucky fans that they may not watch the the tournament. I'm still going to watch. I mean, I didn't watch the championship game last year because that wound was was pretty big. I, I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to uh, pull against Indiana. And, and, and Jamal, I don't know if you heard, Ralph married a Hoosier, so he has oh. been infected with this Hoosierness. So that's why he's he's kind of pro Indiana th- at this point. Um, yeah, that's why I have him so going. Just, I, I, she's listening, so I don't want to. Have to go upstairs and <laughs> care the wrath of that. Well, so Indiana's well, going to win it, and they're the greatest team that's ever played. So. That's right. Look, that's I, right. Under, so I understand. I understand what you got to do to keep your your house happy. That that's <laughs> fine. If you if you lose your soul over it, that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> and and on that note, uh, thanks. Ralph, for coming on and, and talking sports. We covered a lot of ground. I really appreciate it. Big Jamel, thanks for, having for coming me on. on. I appreciate it. Uh, you guys brought it as usual. Uh, I certainly uh, uh, appreciate that very, very much. So the next time I'm, I'm in Lexington, uh, Fig Jamel, let's do some Dungeons and Dragons. Ralph, we need to get yes. together and heckle some more people. Uh, but it's been fantastic. Uh, Vinny will be back next week. Hopefully the ratings for this one won't be so bad, but uh, I really appreciate it. Everybody, you guys have been listening to Cats Talk Wednesday. This is Terry Brown with my awesome guest. And and also a shout-out to Jay, uh, who came on earlier to talk about his bracket. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Cats Talk Wednesday on Facebook, on Twitter. Everybody have a good night. And thanks again, guys. Thanks for having us. Your 20-sided die is waiting, Terry. I don't know what that means, but I'm I'm down with it. So I will get my Ewoks and Elves and, and whatever. We can, we can make it happen. 
Gonna give you a broadsword. <laughs> I appreciate it. I feel that. like it's got too nerdy for everybody right now. Yeah, we went from sports to nerdy, so guys, I appreciate it. The ratings have exploded. You guys have a great Michelle night, and thanks again, everybody, for listening to Cat Talk Wednesday. Go Big Hobbits. Go Cards. <laughs> 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 